Welcome to Discover Energy Work. I'm your host, Richard Wicks. Today, this is episode number seven, and we're traveling over to Singapore. The School of Positive Psychology in Singapore is run by my friend Stephen Liu, and he's got an amazing story to share all about mind-to-mind connection over thousands of miles. Hi, and welcome to Discover Energy Work podcast. I'm really thrilled today because I've got my friend Stephen Liu here. And Stephen is the most incredible guy. He's been a, a real support to me uh, over the years. Um, but he's he also, he, maybe he woke something, I think you might have woken something up, Stephen, because like the idea of podcast, it didn't, I think I've thought about it for some time and played with it, but then I heard getting naked with happiness. And I'm like, what a great like what a great uh, name for a podcast and then very kindly you interviewed me um and i knew then like we're we're really sort of on a, a kind of really cool um wavelength with each other like we really really honestly care about helping people and bringing them um something more into their lives bring them a bit of more joy even in these small moments now stevens the you're the are you the CEO? I mean, you're certainly for the School of Positive Psychology uh, in Singapore. You're you're the headmaster. What, what do I call <laughs> the you? headmaster? Oh, thanks the for head- having me here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can be considered a headmaster. Um, hi everyone. I am. Um, thanks for being here, Richard. And it has been such a pleasure to be here. And we have spoken a few months back on my podcast getting naked happiness so i have i'm very thankful for your time back then and i'm very happy to be back here i am the headmaster open and close quotes right yeah i'm right. the the founder of the school so i run the school um i'm executive director of the school and at the same time i'm also um a positive psychology practitioner a psychotherapist and I do run uh, another two brands uh, that's related to psychotherapy training and also services. Mm. Yeah. Oh, very cool. So let me ask you, I'm kind of curious because my, um, my podcast based around um, energy. And of course, I, you know, I've, I've got a psychology degree as to you. And, and in fact, I just want to make a, a little um, shout out for your school because you're doing a master's degree and bachelor's degree in, in positive psychology, which is oh, we have, really great. Yeah, we have a master's in applied positive psychology. Um, there isn't a, a bachelor's degree in positive psychology. Yeah, so we focus a lot on the postgraduate level of okay. training and we yeah. do uh, uh, offer undergraduate training too in diplomas in positive psychology. Ah, right. Okay, so undergrad and diplomas in positive psychology. Cool. Okay. Mm. Um, all right. So how do you um what's your link to energy do you feel that you've got a link to energy how do you define energy as as a positive psychologist is there such a thing oh big question yeah no, <laughs> i wish i like start going... with the hardest i'm sorry i'll be sure we're going down this rabbit hole right now <laughs> yeah i know well, i um i i think in my opinion um energy we are just part of energy, right? And and you are the expert in this area, not me. Yeah, I, I have a lot to learn from you. But in my opinion, we are all part of the energy and the whole universe is just one big pulse of pulse of energy. And we are all part of the movement and it's part of our nature. 
So in terms of energy, I will look at it from the perspective of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And we look at um, energy as a living, a part of a living organism. And so even when we are being conscious, we have conscious, when we have consciousness of a thing or an event or a matter, we are exchanging energy, we're using our energy. So this is my perspective of energy. And of course, there are many different ways we utilize our energy each day without us knowing or without us having awareness or, or about it. Um, like, you know, the first, for the first time when a child, is a baby is being born, uh, this is not just a baby, it's also a bundle of energy that comes out. Mm. And when the baby cry, um, it is exactly the same. It's exchanging energy. So we are all connected through this energy and or we call it life force, right? In short. Mm. Of course, there are many different definitions. But if you could ask me as a psychology practitioner, um, I would say that we, we, it's just part of a life force that everybody has. Mm. And if you talk, look at the word psychology, um, of course, it comes from the Greek word. Um, it also simply means the study of our soul, the word psyche. And mm. then logi, the comes from logos, is the study, the wisdom. And mm. we, so I think we, if we talk about energy and consciousness, we cannot not talk about you know, topics related to our soul. But of course, the soul has many different sort of interpretations mm. and labels used by different sort of cultures across time. But I think we are all talking about the same um, principle, the same topic in a different way. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I felt like, um, I'd be interested to hear what you think. I felt during my psychology degree uh, comforted by the fact that we say psychology is the study of, not the knowing of anything. It's the study of. We, we, we don't know anything. We studied it and we got these, we've made these conclusions and these conclusions will be valid as long as they are valid and at some point they may no longer be valid, yeah? And so that, that um, reassured me that I was, I was studying something. I wasn't gonna necessarily get any answers and I'd had some answers for myself, you know, what is energy and, and the importance of energy. Um, but I suppose, um, I suppose in the same way that there's a stigma. I'm sorry I'm taking you down this road. I have no idea. I hadn't <laughs> planned this. In the same way, there's a stigma <laughs> to, yes. to um, mental health issues, me- mental health problems. In the West, there's a stigma to feeling energy and becoming aware of energy. Um, do you have any um, standpoint on that? Or as a, as a, and I know you're a positive psychologist, so maybe I should say, well, okay, what's the difference between positive psychology and the negative psychology. Is that is that a question that you're asking? I've asked or... two questions, so maybe okay. I should. I'll start with what what makes positive psychology so positive. Well, if first first and foremost, when we, I mean, the the pity of the word positive, it doesn't really seems to explain the essence of positive psychology, and many people will get confounded by the idea that positive psychology is all about being positive but Mm. in fact it isn't positive psychology um, is the study of what goes right in life and whereas conventional psychology 
focus on what goes wrong in life. And, right. and it's just like as every human, we have the light and the darkness. Mm. So we focus a lot of the, the pre, we have a huge preoccupation of the darkness, like what is going wrong with me, what, is, what has happened to me before, and, what are, and this has, these are the things that has happened in the past that has mm. caused me anxiety, mm. fear, depression. So mm. I think um, the, the big question here is, uh, the big statement here that I'm going to make is that positive psychology is not, they appreciate these things that happens in the past and all the negative events, but we also look at the, we want to we try to shift the study of the focus towards the positive side of human nature, and which has been quite um, underplayed for many years. Uh, but of yeah. course, the whole idea is that we are all wired um, to survival. And when, once we are wired to survival, we tend to be, where we have survival instinct, we, when we are wired to survival instinct, we uh, tend to be negative. And we have this thing called the negativity bias. Because being negative keeps us alive. Because we, as a human race, we need to look out for things that threaten us. So that will impact our survivability. But it has been very effective for the last 200,000 years since our ancestors because it keeps us alive. We need to outrun a lion or a predator. But even now, these predators are not around. We still have that anxiety defense response in our brain and due to different situations. So if we, and the whole objective of positive psychology is to appreciate that we have, these, um, we, we have this survival mechanism and let's study what is the other side of it. So how could we be more extraordinary? How could we create better versions of ourselves? Mm. How could we look at past events and instead of focusing on maybe um, post-traumatic stress, we can focus on post-traumatic growth. Um, of course, not to be confused, in the second wave of positive psychology, we are also researching in the areas of what is the great positivity, what is the positivity of negativity? What is the upside of the dark mm. side? Mm. Why should we, what is the importance of anger? What is the importance of jealousy and envy? Mm. And we are also studying that. And how could we use it more effectively? How does it implicate or uh, improve our well-being? So in a nutshell, I think um, um, positive psychology is the, the difference to focus on the human side or the positive side of human nature. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's, a question. that's great. I think it's very clear. And I am I'm feel like I do everyone a bit of a disservice if I don't repeat my question from before because um, we know um, as psychologists um, working, working in the mental health area that there's a stigma to mental health problems. And whereas in Asia, I say feeling energy is less of, there's less of a stigma around it. Certainly in, in um, say, America or in other countries, if you said, I feel a strange energy in this room, then, then people might think you're, you know, there's a stigma to it, like being sensitive to energy. And I wondered uh, if you had a th any thoughts on that, if there's some, um, something, yeah, to talk about there. Here, here's what I think. Um, there is always stigma and biasness everywhere, be whether it's in the East or it's in the West. Um, I've met many people from the West who subscribe to 
um, holistic modalities and they are practicing personal well-being and they take pride into this development. So energy work, is very, they are very familiar with energy works. And um, uh, so I think that it really depends on the cultural aspects of things of where they, are, they come from individually. Um, I, in terms of, I think that it's just a different point of time and a different sort of exposure, not necessarily whether it's in the East and in the West, because there are always different sub-communities in different cultures and places. But what I'd like to raise on what you said, um, clearly there is an emphasis on trying to break away from the stigma of mental health or seeking help. Mm. And um, of course, we know that there are still people nowadays who will not see a counsellor or a therapist when they have problems. Yeah. But seeing a medical doctor is much more appreciated because um, it is much more logical as they think. Uh, this is a byproduct of conventional thinking and education. But of course, we also know people that um, they will not see, they refuse to seek medical help because they believe in self-treatment. So I, I think um, in terms of stigma and biasness, we, we tend to have more. But interestingly, I do see an uptick in people being more receptive to energy work uh, as part of personal development because they are looking for answers to the questions that they want to solve. And they are looking for um, a, a catharsis to, to heal themselves or they are looking for ways to become better. And they may stumble upon psychology um, or maybe motivation courses or maybe even religions or energy works or holistic healing of sorts. Yeah. I've got a crunch question for you. Have you had an experience with energy? Oh, yes, I have. <laughs> okay, go. Okay, yeah. Spill the beans. <laughs> uh, it's... Okay, um, just that, spill the beans. <laughs> yeah, the beans. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I have um, a background is that uh, apart, apart of being a positive psychology practitioner, I'm also a trained um, clinical hypnotherapist where I am also a supervisor, a lecturer in that area. Uh, we teach psychotherapy students to practice hypnotherapy with cognitive behavior therapy and solution-focused therapy. So these are just uh, some of the modalities. Hmm. Uh, the reason, one of the reasons why I'm saying this is because um, in clinical hypnotherapy, we do a lot of um, trance work whereby we hmm. go into pre-conscious, unconscious, and uh, using the altered state of consciousness. And we, so by doing so, we could be a little bit more plugged in to different states of consciousness. Hmm. Um, so for example, for those who are listening who may not be familiar with this, when you are um, waking up from your sleep, this is also a part of a hypnotic state. And yeah. when you are falling asleep, this is also a part of a hypnotic state known as hypnogogy and hypnopompid. And so these are very natural states that happens to us. And back to your question of uh, what is my experience in energy, I will want to answer it using maybe some of these words I described earlier in hypnosis as a frame. Um, not because that, um, because I think it's maybe easier to relate to. So being a um, practitioner in this area, I do quite a lot of self-hypnosis from time to time. And uh, so which also means that when sometimes in the middle of the night when I wake up, I will be able to sustain uh, remain in conscious in that half asleep and half 
dreamlike dreamlike state, mm. and to to tap into different sort of consciousness. Um, but so it has been part of my training or my my I won't say training part of my lifestyle, not because I want it, but it's just natural, right? Mm. And so uh, my experience with energy uh, have one unique experience with energy was I have a good friend. And we used um, her name is called Jessie, and I hope that maybe next time she will hear this and she will have a good laugh. <laughs> and, and yeah, and Jessie and I we met when we were twenty years old, years back, and we we started exploring topics like comparative religion, spirituality, meditation, energy mm. work, and etc. And we could we started to read all the books we could find, and we started to have these night uh, late night discussions in the coffee shop you know, over a cup of tea and then mm. and coffee and just discussing about philosophies, energy and life, right? So, and that was my experience with Jessie and she was the only, you know, more plug-in spiritual individual as I, as, I call, as I call it at the point of time to have these weird conversations because everyone else is talking about economy and survival and all that stuff, right? The usual stuff. Yeah. So Jessie, uh, the long shot of it, Jessie left Singapore and... Um, and she went away and worked in the Middle East. And she just took off one day, say bye, and then she left. And, and I lost connection with her for more than 12 to 13 years. So when I say when she left, when she took off, there was just a bye. And then there was one email or one letter and that was it. There was no written address. Nobody know how to, how to get her. I didn't know how to get her. I don't know how to reach her. There's no right, right. Uh, phone number or whichever. Okay. And so for, for a long period of my life, I've been thinking, where is Jessie, you know? And she's really gone. Is she still alive? What is she up to? And I miss those times that we used to meditate or hang out and talk about these things together. So one fine day, a few years back, um, I, got my, I got into an accident and I was recovering in the hospital. So for maybe I was in the hospital for one or two weeks. I can't remember mm. after the operation. And I had a lot of time being a patient. Of course, being a patient is about being patient, right? Yeah. Mm. And so I was trying to catch up with a lot of things and usually work comes into the way. And then I started thinking about Jesse and I said, oh, how, how, so I said to myself how I wish that I could be connected with Jesse again. But this time around, because I have more time on hand, I decided to be more proactive. So I said to myself that I'm going to dedicate my next half an hour, one hour, two hours to find and search for Jesse through all the functional ways, like going on internet, Googling her, checking all my old emails, mm. my old text messages. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and after doing that, I realized that there's no traces of um, possibilities or contact in, in that era. So as a result of the next uh, strategy was I need to tap into, tap into the altered, the states of consciousness. Yeah. And by going to the self-hypnosis meditation state, and then, so I did that. So I went into that focus uh, attention state, which is known as the other uh, state of consciousness. And I projected Jessie in front of me in terms of her image, in, in terms of the memory of her. And when I went in that zone, everything seems to disappear around me in the room and I could just see her in front of me. And of course, due to um, focus attention, I kept myself in that zone and I kept looking at Jesse using that hallucination. And I sent that intent to her saying that Jesse, I really want to 
where are you? I really need to talk to you because right. I miss you. And that, of course, I didn't articulate out verbally, but it was all in my head. Yeah. I kept on sending that emotions and intention. Energy, yeah. And yeah, the energy, right? And so in that setting, we were, I, I, I created that setting in my head. It was back in a coffee shop or cafe area and yeah, there were yeah. people around us and she's just in front of me. I could see her face and, and that was it. So I did that activity for a good, a lot of time. As you know, for those who are exper have experience in transfer or hypnosis or even meditation, you go into that mode. We expand, uh, we experience time expansion, right? Mm. So I lost track of time. There was time distortion. And I did that just one time. And then after that, I think I woke up and I did, I, or I fell asleep. I couldn't remember. Mm. So that event happened in probably in September, right? And then I went back home. I was discharged. I went back home. I, for the next few weeks, I was working from home because due to medical uh, certificate, or oh, a medical leave. And then in the month of early November, I received a message from, on Facebook, which, and there was this person who contacted me and it was Jesse. And I'm talking about a person that I've lost touch with more than 12 to 13 years. Mm. And, and she contacted me in November and she sent me an inbox message and said that, Stefan, um, how, how have you been? You know, I was like, oh my God, this is Jesse. And I went hysterical. And then she told me that, or long and short of it, that she uh, is now located, back then she's located in, in France and she's married and with a, with a daughter. Hmm. And the reason why she reached out to me is because she was really curious if, okay, this is what she said next in the message. She said, Stefan, out of curiosity, were you looking for me? Hmm. Yeah. Nice. nice. And then I was like, of course I was looking for you. And I was just replying via text. Yeah. And she said, no, I don't mean it in a casual manner that you were looking for me all these years. I was just asking that, were you looking for me specifically? Yeah. yeah. And then I said, yes. And then, and then, and then I asked her to, to be more explicit. And she started saying that she, a few weeks ago, which is in September, she started dreaming. And she had this dream uh, at night when she was asleep. She dreamt that she dreamt of me appearing in a dream, sitting mm. in a cafe, looking at her. <laughs> and <laughs> so she dreamt that. Yeah. And... She said that, uh, in her own words, she said that, Stefan, you were sitting there looking at me in a cafe and you have this facial expression, like a constipated facial expression. You want to tell me something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And before you could even open your mouth and to say that sentence, somebody will walk past, will walk in between us and disrupt the conversation. And when you're about to say it again and somebody else will just walk between us. And before I know it, the dream has ended. Wow. And so then she said that um, that happened on the first night. And then the next day she woke up, she recalled a dream. She said, ah, just another dream. Probably I, I dreamt of Stefan. Because we dream of each other once in a while, right? Throughout the years. Um, mm. After that, I found out. And then she said the second night, the same dream happened again. So the dream became a recurring dream consecutively for nine nights. Mm, so yeah. every single night, she dreamt of the same thing. And, 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 and at this point, I think from the place of curiosity, you went to a, a place of frustration. Yeah. 
Right. She was visibly frustrated. She said that as every single night, she started dreaming of the same dream. And then on the ninth night, she said, um, before the dream ended, she went up to me in the dream and took me by the shoulders and shook me and confronted me in the face and said that, please freaking tell me what you want to tell me. <laughs> yeah, and that was on the ninth night. And, and she said in, in her dream that I was a little bit um, taken aback by her actions. And I, instead of replying her, I just gave her a big smile and I hugged her. I gave her a big hug. And then she said that, no, I didn't want your hug. Just freaking tell me what you're going to tell me. <laughs> and she resisted the hug, but I went on to hug her in the dream uh, tightly. And then she said that the next thing she, she saw was um, a big bright yellow light was emitted from me. And it was a light of love and a light of care. And she surrendered to the light peacefully. And she, after that, she woke up from the dream. And then when the next day, when, when she woke up for I the dream, I got a shower now. I just feel this <laughs> like, wow, amazing. Yeah, it is very amazing, Richard, because um, um, to be reconnected with your old friend for after so many years and, and it's, it's an experience of hope and, and to be reconnected with somebody that you really care about many years ago until now. And under such circumstances, I think it's really incredible. Mm, and mm. I, will, I will go to that part later um, of why it's incredible. And so coming back to the dream, when she woke up, she said that uh, I need to contact Stefan because something might not be right. Mm. So the next day, then she went on Google and started clicking my name and she found out what I'm doing, you know, the, the school, the hypnotherapy, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then she reached out to me and she contacted me on Facebook. And a few weeks later, she came back to Singapore as a pit stop before she relocated to, to China. And, uh, and we caught up for twice before she left again. And, and before she left, she, said, uh, she gave me her number. And she said that if you want to contact me, you can just WhatsApp me now. <laughs> you don't, please do not invade my dream again. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's that's I mean, a moving. Refreshing. That's a moving story as well. It's. A, I mean, it's 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 it's. Yeah, you might say it's spooky, but I, I think it's a moving story about you know uh, a genuine connection that we have with people, and then how it's able to transcend space, you know, and uh, and time. That's beautiful. Did was that the first time you'd experienced energy, or we'll call it energy like that? Um, no, it's not the first time. It has been um, many times, um, but okay. this will be one of the uh, more explicit and memorable ones. Was there, a, was there a time where you went, okay, this changes everything? Oh, like a aha moment, like yeah, a, yeah. Yeah, like epiphany. Mm, probably when I first started discovering energy when I was 20 years old. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that was, um, it was a whirlwind journey when I was exposed to um, meditation, different types of meditation and healing methods. Mm. And I tried um, like, um, 
what's it called, like hands-on healing, you know, remote viewing, uh, mm. extra projection, all mm. different types of workshops I've attended because I was really curious about all these energy works. Yeah. Right. Um, and so in terms of my aha moment, I, I had many of them, I would say. I had many of them, what I would say. But there could be both positive and negative at the same time, you know. Mm. Because at a, at a time, there um, wasn't a community that we could lean in to discuss uh, these right. findings. Yeah. Right, and right. When, you, yeah, when I started sharing about my experiences with energy, oh my God, coming to think of it, I was telling my peers in my, when, in my 20s, right? When everyone was just having fun, going out to, to parties, yeah. you know, yeah. and growing up. <laughs> and I was the only um, dude going around telling people about this energy thing. So people mm. <laughs> thought I was weird. Yeah, I still remember the incidences. Yeah, yeah, where do they put it? I mean, and, and you know, it's an interesting thing. The whole internet and, and the whole, um, say, Facebook or this interconnection that we've got, it allows people to they have an experience and are able to check, well, am I the only person that's ever had this? You know, uh, am I as weird? I mean, okay, in my group of 20 friends, but that's not really a big sample, you know? Um, so, um, yeah, definitely makes... So it, it changed your life already. You already sort of changed your paradigm when you were around 20, and then you've had that, yeah, that experience, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, I think that's a good question because, um, because it has been um, two decades ago, and when you asked this question, it brought me to go back to my memory lane to have this reminiscence experience of what was it like back then. And, and these images started to unfold as we speak right now. And mm. I started to see, my, I, I remembered that I was filled with such enthusiasm and excitement and joy because I wanted to share the good things and knowledge with my friends around me. But with, from the intention of care and curiosity of sharing, but I was um, facing a lot of, um, I won't say, it wasn't really contempt, but I was facing a lot of, uh, I had a lot of bizarre reactions from people because it's not usual things that you tell people, right? Yeah. And after a while, I started to learn to keep it to myself and to be selective to who I share with. And, and I came to a realization or a mantra, as you call it, that I will only share with people who is in the same frequency. Mm. And um, I started to change my orientation, I would say spiritual orientation. Um, mm. Of course, when I use the word spiritual, it will come to the form of philosophical, uh, the philosophy of personal development, um, uh, but not uh, in a circular manner and mm. not in a religious way. Mm. So I, then I started seeing groups um, of very new age energy-oriented people um, who are walking, I mean, subscribing to a lifestyle that is all about energy. And they also go into the practice of energy works. And I, I, I didn't really assimilate myself with the group because I think they were not really my, my choice in terms of how the way I want to describe my relationship with my energy. Hmm. I wanted to, because I feel that many, many, across many walks of lives and many different domains, there are many people who will champion their beliefs in different ways. 
yeah, so I wanted a more utilitarian view in terms of that I want to be in the in the field that can impact people on a larger perspective. So instead of staying in energy works, I wanted to, I realized that um, there are many people who can benefit from this practice. So I went into psychology and psychotherapy and hypnotherapy and to, to, to understand the science of behind human nature and human development mm. so that I could, um, in the same goal, to help people to shift their energy by using different methods. Right. Yeah. Right. I can, I can totally, um, I can totally empathize with that because at times, I mean, we can argue whether there, there are um, extraterrestrials that we can connect to with our mind and they've got some special wisdom for us until we are blue in the face. You know, we can, yeah, there might be, like in the same way, you know, energetically or, or mentally we can connect with a friend over the other side of the world. There might be, yeah, um, but it's a bit like past lives. Like, yeah, well, we can argue about it, but we're not going to find physical proof for it. Um, we're going to find personal proof, you know, um, yeah. anecdotal proof. Um, and then is it actually useful? Yeah. And sometimes I found, I found the new age people to be very open and that to have both good aspects and bad aspects. Sometimes they're just a bit too open. And, um, and I feel like a little bit that there's um, some MLM, multiple level marketing coming into the, that area, which, which kind of disturbs me. I don't, I don't like that because I think it's turning something which sort of shouldn't be MLM'd into something, mm -hmm. which is, you know, I've got to persuade my friends to do this and buy this next course and, you know, um, yeah, anyway. Well, um, I think one, one, I mean, if I could just yeah. add on, I think we are on, um, um, since this podcast is about energy, um, one, my observation would be many people are looking for, many people have pain points and they are looking for ways to solve them, to improve themselves or to improve their relationships or even their work and personal life, right? Yeah. And there are many different ways to get there. But sometimes when a person... Um, stumble upon um, something that works for them, right? They get really excited and they want to share what they have discovered with people around them. It could be religion, a way of life, or it could be energy work or anything else because it comes from a place of care and compassion. Mm. Um, and, but it also, it could be a little blindsiding because they, they may be some sort of biasness or uh, confirmation biasness, but this they, may, they start to have polarized thinking that this might be the way mm. um, that the, this is the one that has helped them and it, it is bound to help the other person. Right. So, mm, so from and but they are being misled, a little bit misled, and thinking that it comes from a place of care, but it seems to be a place from um, social the the need for social acceptance that they are not believing in the wrong thing. Because if, let's say, I stumbled upon something really good, I want to convince people around me to use it, it unconsciously, I'm also trying to get more people on my side so that 
I my situation will be normalized and more socially accepted. Mm. Yeah, but if they could be aware of this biasness that they may have, mm. then they may not lead, let this biasness to lead them blindly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you, let me have um, a sort of an annex question on that, which is like, if somebody is, I think it's quite annex. So if, if somebody is going to experience energy work or what advice would you have to somebody if they're going to go and experience some energy work? Mm, if let's say a person has no prior experience in energy work and mm. they are trying, um, I could say just stay really open and to all the experience that you will have. And um, it is exciting. It's just like discovering magic to some, <laughs> for some people. Mm. Um, and sometimes when you have new experiences, you will start to have a shift of consciousness. You experience a shift of consciousness and thinking. And it may be a little bit scary, um, but at the same time, it's also very rewarding. Mm. One tip would be, um, do not believe too quickly in terms of um, subscribing to a guru or a teacher. Mm. Yeah. Um, Not saying that it's a bad thing, but because if you subscribe to a guru or a teacher too quickly, you may miss the point. Yeah. Yeah. You might miss the point because um, about one thing about energy work and consciousness, you are able to discover it through many different sources mm. and you are your own teacher. So you could go to attend a guru's class, uh, but do differentiate it between attending for the sake of studying versus following blindly yeah so so i mean i i totally agree i'd even say you know following a guru can be a good thing it can also be a bad thing if you get you know we all know of cults you know so uh, um follow your heart don't allow anybody to um what's the coerce you in any way um I, I, I think I, I can't underline what you're saying enough. It's definitely, there's no need to rush into it. It is absolutely, you know, uh, it is a personal, you know, it's very much about your personal way. Isn't that? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. There are many um, associations out there. They, what they do is that they come up with training programs and um, they have like level one, two or three or certificate basic intermediate advanced level of training and mm. they target working professionals um, or um, to promising them that they are teaching them to be better leaders or personal transformation and they yeah. use techniques uh, related to energy work, psychology, religions, philosophy, mm. and they mm. club them together. Um, but what they also really do is a lot of um, manipulation techniques in terms of they get the people, the participants to share their most innermost um, uh, stories of experiences of suffering. And through this suffering, um, at the end of the suffering, when they experience the catharsis or the outpour of negative emotions, they will be supported by a group of these people who are in the course. Um, and then 
the speaker or the, or the trainer will start to facilitate the session and say that, you know, you, um, it's good to talk about emotions and naturally people will, will like that because they are being supported by a group of strangers and then right. therefore becoming their friends. And the challenge is these um, sessions are good on the surface because that it seems that you're popping Panadols, you feel better after you release that tension. Yeah. But the core issue is not dealt with. Uh, why is this becoming a problem? It's because that when these people um, who are there to, for self-development, they find that the training they went through is really, they, they experience some sort of a breakthrough and there's a release of emotions after so many years, which is good. But they will, keep, they will keep on going back for the next level again and again and again, mm. thinking that they can solve their problems. Yeah. And many times when a person experiences some sort of transformation, they will think that, oh, now it's my time to help other people to solve their problems. So they want to become a practitioner or they want to become a trainer. Mm. And so, and these levels of training will go up higher and higher and it will cost you more and more. And then you will make the person also go deeper into the organization. Um, why, I, why am I cautioning this is because that this um, is rather unethical because um, the whole businesses are being built around emotion manipulation. And um, I do think that there are some sort of, um, but of course many people who are in this, they will justify that, okay, this may be good because I really benefited from it, which is fair. Hmm. But I'm just saying that um, there is no one way, there is many different methods you can go and attend such of these courses, but um, you, you, but if you want to learn about personal development, it's not just one method. It's, there's many different ways out there. Your journey yeah. doesn't yeah. end there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I think that's great advice. I mean, uh, um, I felt um, personally. I mean, I you know, bringing it round back to psychology, I felt psychology gave me so much in understanding personal development. Um, and I'd studied NLP and energy work and Kung Fu and, you know, all of these different things. And then psychology gave me uh, a framework as well. Um, you know, people, uh, other people's experience, looking at the human condition, the personality, how people think, how people behave. Um, yeah. So, and, and you'd say that essentially if people were to do um, the positive psychology uh, post-grad, or these classes, they are also kind of learning an energy work. Um, it's a bit different um, for positive psychology and energy work. They don't really fit. The, 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 the hypnotherapy, you'd say, is more. Yeah. When talk but that's about not part of the degree, is it? No, it's not. It's different. They're all different modalities. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, of course, uh, um, Positive psychology is more like a study on its own, right? Yeah. And um, energy would be more related to consciousness. If um, there's a psychology on, on it, I think mm. it may be more related to transpersonal psychology. Yeah. yeah. And uh, of course, clinical hypnotherapy is another modality on its own. So I think they are all sitting side by side in different mm. ways. Mm. Yeah. Right. Very cool. Okay. Well, I'm trying to think what else I could ask you. Any other anecdotes you might have that you want to share about energy work and, and uh, how, you, how you'd used it or, or how you'd experienced it? Or... <laughs> um, well, 
I well, what I'm saying is um, more related from a place of personal development. Um, I think there's a huge shift of consciousness right now as we speak because due to the COVID-19 yeah. and people have to pause and reset not just their life, but also the way they think. And um, I mentioned earlier that instead of looking at the economical challenges that we are facing, we mm. there's a lot of advantages in a lot of, uh, I think the whole, whole COVID-19 is, a, big, is a, a grand teacher teaching us how to look at things that we have, may have missed out. Um, we, we, maybe we tend to, we tend to ignore, uh, due to economical models, we tend to ignore like, you know, with uh, topics like sustainability, um, the symbiotic relationships between human beings and nature and animals. I think these are the things that we need to pay attention to. And we talk about energy work and how, how is energy work related to this and how is energy work related to well-being, which is one of the topics that we research in positive psychology, that we cannot just care for ourselves as an individual. Hmm. Yeah, energy also really doesn't, to me, energy doesn't work that way. Hmm. Yeah, if let's say the energy is a big pulse of how the earth is connecting to everyone, I mean, in, in terms of this, is my view that we are all part of Earth. Um, we need to take care of Earth f- first, mm. or maybe we need to take care of Earth at the same time as we take care of ourselves, because what we do to our environment comes back to ourselves. This is what mm. I want to say. Um, why I'm saying this is because um, I know that there are um, many there are many people who who care about the environment. And I also know many people who care about well-being and, and their families. Um, uh, if let's say we could be more connected to around us, we will have a better impact to the world. Because if you talk about personal well-being, we look at not just personal development, we look at the next stage of personal well-being would be maybe relationship well-being because we need to take care of people that we love and we care. Mm. And then the third, the third part of it might be workplace well-being. We go to workplace and, you know, this is our life and our careers. Mm. And then after that, we go into community well-being and then national well-being. And then we go into environmental well-being and global well-being. It seems that we we are putting the global well-being at the last. <laughs> mm. But if we could understand from the point that when we care about ourselves, we are also caring about the world and people around us. If we can just have that shift of mindset, I think that we are shifting our energy within us and we are, sent, and we are all made out of energy and electrical uh, connections. And we are shift, if we shift, we have that intent in our mind, we, are, we become more connected to the world around us, to humanity and the human race. I think problems like COVID-19 may not even happen in the first place. You know, yeah. I, I love it. I love, I, I want to say like, you heard it here from our professor. Bring your attention to healing the world as a whole. It's going to heal you too. Can I say that? Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Hey, mate, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you on behalf of all the people who are going to benefit from hearing your words. And uh, thank you. We'll be in touch. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for having me here.
what a lovely guy. It's just such a pleasure having Stephen to talk to. He's just so easygoing, so I have to make a bit of an admission that I was, I felt like at the beginning of the interview, I was avoiding uh, asking him the direct questions about energy work, and then I just had to jump into it. So we, I, I hope that worked out well, that you heard more about positive psychology and some psychology, which is really great. And I'm asking myself, why was I like that? And I think it's because there is that stigma, which I still feel about being sensitive to energy. So I hope this is supporting you if you're feeling that and uh, you stay strong and keep in touch with the Discover Energy Work page on Facebook. And yeah, just send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Take care and be strong.